The following podcast is a part of RadioMisfits.com. From the birthplace of modern winemaking, Sonoma, California, welcome to the winemakers. Local experts Sam Katuri, Bart Hansen, and Brian Casey, along with host John Myers, invite you to listen in as they discuss all facets of winemaking. So sit back, pour yourself a glass, and let's hear what the guys have to say this week. A short one, but it sounded good. <laughs> good morning, everybody. Hey. I had a very, very weak pour last week. Well, it, it really was. You weren't there, and I have to say, I thought I you nailed know. it, and I listened to it. It was horrible. Bart's got poor envy. I got, I got loud pours. You know, there you go. <laughs> what can I say? I, get... I turn it up. So, hey, everybody, welcome to the winemakers. I'm John Myers. See, John, John's here. got all sorts of secrets. <laughs> Bart Hansen and Sam Katuri and Brian Casey. Good morning, everybody. And Bre- good breakfast mo- wine. Yeah, yeah, it's a very good breakfast thing. Rose. Oh, breakfast rose. We are at uh, Winery sixteen six hundred Tasting House or Grateful Dead headquarters for the <laughs> city of Sonoma, and or is it a town? What is it? Exactly. Well, uh, town, as right? as today is, we're recording on election day. Um, go vote. It, maybe go vote first of all. If, it, you if you're listening to this on Friday and you're hearing, dead. and you realized you should have voted, uh, <laughs> we got other problems. Uh, but we're in the city of Sonoma, which is the city limits, and there's a city council race going on, and they're like out campaigning as we speak. Highly, um, I hope they knock uh, at the door. Highly, highly controversial for small town politics, yeah. but that's like odd. Right. <laughs> uh, less than you know, a third of the valley, the town of Sonoma population is actually in city limits. So, you know, as a taxpayer here in city of Sonoma, this is my political rant. Uh, I don't get to vote for the city council that determines the fate. You know, yeah, I don't my get to vote. Building my taste. I don't get to vote for him either. Yeah. And Being just outside. So of we, town. No, we don't get to vote for him, but they control the political scene in our town. Uh, so yeah, there's. Um, that's happening today. Yeah. <laughs> so hey, I guess we you, are. Got, you just got to get on one of those boards. Oh, are you? You got to run I, for. I think you need to run for office. Well, yes. Um, Sam, Sam, Sam. I mean, I know Sam, a lot of people Sam, that would Sam. vote for you. Ooh, ooh. All right. What should I run for? Dog catcher? No. Okay. <laughs> you already got a dog. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you don't need to catch one. All right. You got curry. Yeah. Well, we are going to do a harvest update because it's almost. Over, you said you saw some cab grapes hanging on Grove. Yeah, I, I did. I saw um, I saw grapes on the road this morning. Amazing! Um, I thought they were all gone. Bike ride yesterday. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we picked our last grapes for sixteen six hundred yesterday, uh, Monday. The first time I've ever picked grapes after the time change, which was bizarre because you know you're like driving to the pick and the sun is up, and you know like your body is all out of whack because of it. It really uh, is. Really and is. to be honest, um, the grapes that we picked yesterday, I, we probably could have let hang for another week or two. Yeah, yeah, it's really interesting. It's the fruit that's out there still looks pretty good. It's not really <laughs> yeah. dimpling. Um, I mean, it's a cool, it's a cool year, and we didn't have um, you know an extended heat spike, so the grapes never started to um, shrivel. Right, right. I don't, I don't yeah, know. I don't, I, I, it's it is it has seemed like it's forever though. It's it's it? been our first pick for Enterprise Vineyards was like August twenty something, and uh, the last pick will be Wednesday, the seventh of November. Um, so that's you know two. You're I mean, it's the, two and a half 
two and a half months. Over 60 days on the pit. That's amazing. Over 60 days for sure. Uh, But a lot of it was like, there was a lot of time in September where we were kind of sitting around waiting for things to happen. Um, Well, it's just been moderate weather and no rain. Moderate weather, no rain. Yeah. And, and, you know, and the other thing for the extended harvest is that, you know, a lot of people um, started early just because of where they get their grapes from. And, right. um, and some of them are still waiting to bring in grapes. So, um, so speaking so, of which. Uh, Thanksgiving pump overs will be happening. For sure. Um, not for us necessarily, but for, well, for you it might be. But it sounds but, like but, 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 Isabel. But, for Isabel. For me, I'm, yeah. yeah. I'm 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 in barrel. I'm done. Uh, is, is Isabel still here, or did she, she take off? She she escaped out the back ah, door rats. to you know she's feeling guilty like she can't hang out on the podcast while on the clock for Enterprise Vineyards, but we'll, we'll, we'll let her know that's okay. Did she she, not she put might any overtime in this year. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, she was um, in the winery until midnight last night working on uh, the Philippe Combi Filcaturi. Isabel Cassier, I'm going to give her credit to, uh, collaborative wine project. So that's uh, Oakville Ranch Grenache and Rossi Ranch Grenache made according to Philippe Combi uh, protocol in a Jeff Baker uh, run winery with filcaturi grown grapes in Sonoma, California. So, so we got to try that this morning. We got to try that this morning. That was the Oakville Ranch Grenache. Sitting, it, it's still on skins. It's dry. Still on skins for another 10 days or so. Uh, the thing that Isabel's been doing is um, called, uh, not Elevage, I'm, I'm now blanking. Desolage. Desolage. The, the, where they're, um, they, she drains the juice off of the skins and right. puts it into a different tank and then slowly adds the juice back to the skins as, as opposed to doing pump overs or punch downs, just another way of adding oxygen and keeping the fermentation going. Um, so these are, these are among the sort of protocol that come from the Chateauneuf de Pop style, you know, Philippe Combe style of Grenache making. So, um, it's, it's I like an, that. Yeah. It's going to be, it's, it's really fascinating to hear that that's, that's what you guys are doing because you know a lot of wineries will use that de lesage uh, and i'm butchering the word um maybe once or twice you know during the skins right um uh, she's doing it like i think every day yeah yeah or like and and the <laughs> difference between doing that and a just a pump over is a pump over is timed and you might be like trying to circulate the volume of of wine over the skins once or twice um, depending on where the fermentation is, where in this you're actually draining everything off and then putting that back onto the skins. So it's um, it sounds it, like it's a just gentler, gentler process. Um, it's really it, it, the other way can be gentle, gentle also. Um, I think it's more of um, adding oxygen to the skins. I mean to the um, wine um, to just a nice healthy fermentation. And and extraction. It's a big about. It's a big part about it, like getting the extraction into it. Um, and with Grenache, one of the areas of concern is mid palate presence mm-hmm. and finish because of the the sort of tannic nature of Grenache. Um, so I think those you know 
sort of those two elements of the of the flavor of the palate experience are in mind with this winemaking um, process. Right. So you know, how do you get that? This is where we as winemakers take notes and then consider what we do and right. make changes in the future. Right. Second guess themselves. But this is something from uh, <laughs> it's something from Philippe, or this is coming from Isabel's father's. This is from, this is from Philippe. From Philippe. This is Philippe. Pro- Philippe at, at the beginning of the harvest, Philippe sent a massive document in French that um, outlined how he wanted these wines made. Mm. Um, and and then Isabel, you know, um, I think translate might not be the best word. I think it's more of an interpretation uh, based on, you know, his writing, but also, um, you know, sort of the reality of the winemaking situations here. You know, you, it's, it's one thing to write down how to make wine on a piece of paper. And it's another thing to like, you know, Right. Come October 26th, then you're in the winery and there's limited space and limited equipment and limited time and, you know, there's different things happening to actually, like, you know, follow that. Uh, it, maybe it's like, sort of like an architect contractor kind of situation. You know, the architect can draw up the plans, but until you actually build the house and know what everything looks like, um, it's hard to know exactly how you can follow right. those plans. Well, Philippe's just a phone call away, too. I imagine right. if she had uh, any questions, she there was, just... There's been a lot of Philippe Skypes and FaceTimes yeah. <laughs> in the last few weeks. Yeah. So how is this going to impact the actual taste? And when will it be released? Uh, well, we did a, a rosé um, that will be released this spring. Uh, sort of the the teaser to this project. The uh, Sort of the working title right now is Adutet, which means two heads, two-headed, a two-headed monster. Uh, Philippe and <laughs> Philippe and Phil Kateri. Um So that's, that's what we're working with. We're probably going to do a Stanley Mouse uh, label, um, and there'll be three wines. There'll be the Rosé and two different terroirs of Grenache, the, the, the Rossi and the Oakville. Um, but the Rossi and the Oakville... The Reds, you know, probably not released until 2020, 2021, maybe, uh, kind of depending on how things go. Um, the Rosé will be available, um, you know, this spring, though. Then uh, that's kind of the way, I, you know, it, it's not going to be 16600. It's it's a separate project. So uh, 16600, obviously, members and mailing list members will have you know, kind of the first crack well, at it. Well, hang on, everybody. Uh, You'll get it in 2020. Then. Yeah. So well, and you, you get the rosé this year. Buy the rosé this year uh, or in this, this spring and make sure you're on the list for getting the red wine in the in the next couple of years. So that's, that's perfect. Yeah. Well, is the, is the rosé seen any barrel or it's all... The rosé is seen barrel. Um, yeah. I'll, and actually, I need to post these pictures of it. Uh, I mean, this is the most fascinating thing to me is that really we've always think of rosé as being stainless steel fermented you know and um trying clean and bright and and stuff and i think in fact there's i mean a lot of small wine makers who are making rosé probably use you know neutral barrels um but i think it's a much more common occurrence in europe Mm -hmm. uh than it is here in the united states so i'm really um, excited to try the wine so we're doing it's 50 percent stainless 50 percent neutral um so there is barrel and the rosé um is was had some skin time too. It had some skin maceration, different levels of like timing and and uh, cold soaks and and press level loads, and they're all going to get blended together. And there'll be a, a sort of final master blend nice. um, with Philippe on that. Yeah. Um, and then there'll be a separate sixteen six hundred rosé from the same vineyard, but that's sort of more made, uh, sort of classic uh, Provencal style direct press. 
um, stainless steel. So you have two vineyards. What is the difference in the taste if you just grew regular Grenache and did it all sixteen six hundred? Um, Those two vineyards. Yeah. How how are they different? The the Rossi and and Bart actually made some Rossi Grenaches here also, and he can back this up. Even. Um, in the must when you've crushed it it hasn't started fermenting you just it's like you know just going into the tank um you get these aromas of like mulling spice and five spice very sort of um you know sort of savory spice notes yeah very much so um, and and actually kind of overwhelming at time like, yeah, like really dominant um especially uh before the fermentation started um and and Oakville is a little more sort of classic Grenache. Um, you get there's there's some nice like sort of smoked meat kind of characteristics to it. Uh, a lot of this sort of like orange spice, orange rind. Uh, yeah. The interesting thing about that, because you know we tasted that just now, right? And yeah. Brian um, shows up in Oakville Ranch Cabernet as well. A very similar kind of note. So it's about the site. Um, so it, we'll see. It was a beautiful taste. Yeah. Sincerely, yeah. I enjoyed it a lot. It really woke me up. What are you pouring this morning, Brian? What'd you bring? Oh, well, I figured since we're starting at 10 o'clock in the morning, rosé. <laughs> breakfast wine. Yeah. I mean, you got to have go. something for breakfast. So this is a Bandol. So this is, um, it's not all Moved. It's uh, Movedra, I think, Syrah and Sanso. But uh, good. Is good, this uh, a bottle barn pickup? It is, actually. Yeah, and I saw, I visited, uh, Bart has a couple bottles at Bottle Barn. Yesterday. Okay. I went to go visit them. Two there bottles you left. You Two know, bottles of That's Zip it, huh? I mean, th- one thing I kind of did learn about the Bottle Barn is that you do have to kind of police your own um, wine. Because uh, there's a lot in there. Because there's so much in there. And, um, yeah, and I need to pay them a little more love. So, for sure. speaking of the Bottle Barn, I saw... Barry, uh, the buyer uh, the bot- from the Bottle Barn at the Bedrock Harvest Party over the weekend. Um, and so this is a little shout out. No, you know, uh, he they're slowly starting to do online sales out of the Bottle Barn. Mm. Um, so if you're out there in radio world and you hear us or podcast world, I guess we're not on the radio. Um, same thing, only different. Same thing, only different. Same microphone, <laughs> different uh, airwaves. Um you can start going to the Bottle Barn website. Look up Bottle Barn on Google, um, and there'll be it, not everything, but there'll be a few wines sort of slowly added. You know, there's five thousand SKUs in there, so you can't put the whole thing online. And actually, the real secret that winemakers know is the best thing to go to Bottle Barn is the liquor, uh, which you can't send out in the mail. <laughs> um, but slowly, he'll be adding, you know, probably get up to about 100, 150 different wines available online via the Bottle Barn. So, well, well you know, another, online retail. It's easy. Yeah. I'm on. Um, where an, wine country buys wine, Bottle Barn. Um, another thing is, if you go to their website, um, you should be able to sign up for a mailing list called the Barn Insider. And I think what they do is they go out and they buy a large amount and, you know, from some pretty prestigious wineries and then do a, you know, like a, he was talking to me about flash sales. Yeah. It's like a flash sale, but it's not like every day. So it, you know, cause an everyday flash sale just means a whole bunch of wineries are trying to sell wine. They're like curating this wine Mm, and saying, oh, you have 150 cases of that. I can, you know, I can clear that for you. Um, And the price is very good on those. And, and I think you get 10% uh, off, too, if you oh, sign really? up. Yeah, which is a good deal. Well, Bart, your friend that you turned me on to on Instagram who's doing the, um, um, God, what is it, Rusan? Uh, um, shoot. I know uh, He's like a natural winemaker. Um, 
and you showed me his Instagram account. Um, oh, and he was doing, no, he's doing Chenin Blanc. I saw his Chenin Blanc there. Yes. Wait, Bart makes Chenin Blanc. Yeah. yeah. Wait a minute. Yeah. Bart I, makes I Chenin have, Blanc? Yeah. He's like in Sacramento or. Oh, uh, Craig. Craig. Craig, um, I'm going to. Craig, I, yeah, I know like you're Harmeyer. listening. Harmeyer. Harmeyer, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'd love to get him on the show. Um, he's He is, um, he calls it the Sacramento, uh, this, yeah, the, the, Sacram- the taste of Sacramento. He, all his wines are from Calaveras or the Foothills, um, mm-hmm. but he really is about Sacramento. He has a winery down in West Sac, um, down kind of where Harbor, Harbor Winery was, yeah. which is an old classic California winery. Yeah, he had a couple bottles, and I wanted to get a bottle of Chenin Blanc, but I purposely brought $50 in cash only <laughs> to Bottle Barn because I've learned. So I was able to get uh, this rosé and then a, a bottle of Pinot Gris, too, and I just couldn't because quite I've squeeze the other, uh, the other bottle. I, I there, learned but. that myself, painfully, yeah. a couple of times. It's yeah. like only bringing, yeah. enough, only bringing $50 to the casino and leaving your wallet at home, right? Well, and you notice I said uh, cash. I don't bring it. I'm, I like everything's off the record. I don't want but, anyone seeing no, you know, and how much money you spend <laughs> on wine. <laughs> One complaint I do have about the bottle barn in case they're listening is they don't take my American Express business card. Uh, so I can't <laughs> put those wine purchases on the... Like, but see, it is a legit wine. expense for you. You can do that. Yes, if, if you the IRS is called education, a, you have to try all the, all the competition. You know, around. I the mean, world. marketing uh, and research is is real. You know, um, one of the other. We made we made Bar, uh, Brian. You're gonna love this. We picked ten tons of Grenache for rosé this year. So we did part of it's going to the Philippe Combe project. Part of it's going to just standard sixteen six hundred. Uh, and the other thing that I did is um, took about three and a half or four tons to Mayakamas Winery. Uh, the first Grenache crushed in Mayakamas Winery in 129 year history. Um, and it's being made into rosé under their kosher wine program. So wow. I'm going to have probably, we'll see exactly how much, maybe 150 cases of the world's first, as far as I'm concerned, uh, Napa Valley organically grown Grenache kosher rosé. So I'm just defining a defining a category with that one. Lahayam. Uh, but I did um, <laughs> go and buy as many grano- uh, kosher rosés as I could find on the internet. Totally. I mean, that's that's wine buying, right? And You're, how many did you find? Like four. Yeah. Wait, and that's going to be under market. Right that's going to be under sixteen six. It'll be under the sixteen six hundred label. And what does it have any designation on the label as far as this is kosher or that's just a hand no? They'll, they'll be the. Um, on the back label, they'll be the, they, they call it the Hexer, the little uh-huh. kosher right. K symbol. Um, Interesting. And the idea for that is, you know, uh, find it, you know, have it on your table by Passover. For uh, sure. You know, so Passover is late this year, which helps, <laughs> which helps with everything. Uh, sort of end of April, right? Um, but yeah, that's Miami, New York, L.A. So right. some kosher rosé. <laughs> yeah. The Jewish triangle. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I saw Danny Fay has a new. Line Danny Fay, yeah. Hill, Hill of, Ta- of Tara? Hill of Tara. Tara? Hill of Tara. That's where you. his family is from in Ireland. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it looks really good. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're, nice packaging, nice label. Cab Franc, Cabernet. I don't know if they're doing any white wine, but it's Moon Mountain District. He's getting grapes from uh, Corbin, Corbin Cameron's property up right. on... Uh, the, the top of uh, and, and then, Road. And then the Cabernet Francs uh, in Kenwood, between Cundy and Kenwood Winery, it's a little vineyard that he took over the farm in. Yeah, Oregon. and so that's a he's farming it along with his uh, brother-in-law, 
who is, works for Enterprise Vineyards. So it's a oh. Enterprise Vineyards assisted. Okay. You know, that's where the tractors come from. Okay, basically. okay. good. Yeah, Danny, we're Danny. If you're listening, uh, we got to get that date nailed down. Yeah, we should. We uh, uh, we're talking about. Um, Actually, coming up in a couple of weeks. Probably too, what we should do so. is just get a hold of your wife and have her set the date. And now, he wants to do it on Monday the talk 30th. Talk to Katie instead? Right. Okay. Yeah, last time I was up at Corbin Cameron doing a tasting, which which is cool, by the way, if you haven't been up there, because the house is gone, which isn't, right. is, isn't cool. cool. But what I thought was fun and, and different and interesting was that they have an Airstream up there, and then you can do the tasting actually on top of their little... Um, um, their little trailer that they have set up. I think Corbin, at least for a while, was living in the Airstream. I don't know if he's back. And he's, I think he's back on property. Yeah, I don't know if he's back. When I was there, he was still MIA. So um, uh, he worked the harvest at Shake Ridge and Kramer's and Kramer's property up in the foothills. Uh, okay. Yeah, he's you know, uh, and now he's an unemployed winemaker. <laughs> I mean, he's um, which is the joke here. He uh, is he's got his degree from Davis, Davis and did a did last harvest he did in uh, Bordeaux, right? And then Shake Ridge. So, That's yeah. nice. He's, he's like going all in on, you know, not just, is not just going to be, um, you know, people with a vineyard and a wine label. He's going to be making his own wine, which is really awesome. Yeah. Well, I, we were talking about Danny while I was up there and, and the, they were talking about trying to rebuild the house, but the numbers that they were throwing out there for rebuilding, it's just, I mean, cause think about just driving up there and then think about getting equipment. I don't know if you use a helicopter or something to drop crap up there, you but you might have to, <laughs> I actually <laughs> liked the, ex- what nuts. I liked about the experience up there was it, because there's nothing to distract you. You're looking down one side over into Napa Valley, the other side into Sonoma Valley and sitting there drinking wine on the top of a mountain. I mean, yeah. th- you weren't looking at it. That was grown a, 30 feet away from where you, you could see it. Right yeah. It was so nice. Beautiful spot. That's another person we should have on. We have, we've yeah, talked now that about he's, it before. Now that he's back in town, right. we'll, we'll rope up uh, Corbin. Corbin Ming. Corbin, if you're listening, we need to find you. Excellent. But and we will. I mean, it's going to be a busy year. We've only got seven weeks left, right? Well, we're going to have a busy, I think, every winery and winemaker and wine sales guy in salesperson uh, in Northern California is going to have a busy next, like, three years because... Um, Everybody was way over capacity and over estimations on uh, the grapes that they brought in this year. Um, you know, some places 25, 30% more than expected, more than sort of average, wow. uh, which is, you know, how you get to average. You have years that are 30% below and you have 30 years. That, and it was like, oh, there's average. Um, but there's, there's a lot of, I mean, the reason that, one of the reasons that we, you know, picked Grenache so late was, there was nowhere to put it in the winery anyway. Yeah. Like even if it was ready, you, you, it was full of Cabernet already. Yeah, um, I mean, like which was also a bumper crop. Right, right. It seemed like Cabernet, and Gr- Cabernet and Grenache were both um, yeah. heavy. Zinfandel was very, very heavy. Yeah. I have a feeling. I mean, you was it? You've said was it on the Dave Ramey episode? You're talking maybe one of the great Zinfandel vintages of all time, right? I, I think so. I mean, just the because there was not those heat spikes that yeah. made everything go to raisin. I mean, I, I, and, but it was also, but it was still dry. But it was still dry. There was there was the least amount of of botrytis I've ever seen in Zinfandel. I mean, the Zinfandel just all yep. looks so beautiful. Yeah. Well, you know who we can ask. Later today, when we go over to Napa, we can ask Trey, who's farming, right? Sonoma and Napa's in. Yeah, yeah. Right. So we can get a yep. good uh, yeah. kind of gauge uh, what I mean, he said about this uh, no, vintage. No, no, nothing about Napa's Infidel. You know, the, as far as I know, all the Napa's Infidel was getting gobbled up by 
and it, prisoner. It's not just one site. I mean, there's they're doing it's like four or five different vineyard sites in Napa, which I was surprised by that. Yeah. And, and a couple the, in Sonoma. The, well, and you know they have that little tiny vineyard right next to my post office box in Vineburg. Um, it's a one of the historic uh, the, vineyards. The, yeah, 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 and that's uh, that's uh, goes to Bialy. And but that's like that vineyard is. I mean, oh, like it's tiny, thousand square feet. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I when I first started my brand, I um, I inquired about it because. Um, it was small and I didn't right. need to make much wine. And, um, and they said, Oh no, it goes to be And I was like, God, why do they need it? You know? <laughs> and so every once in a while I see the guy goes still to be And he's like, yeah, still to be all still to be They keep paying. Um, I wonder if, well, you'll have to find out if it goes into a, I mean, it's probably not enough to put into a single vineyard bottling. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I have to look at it. They do a red again. blend, too. And then w- what I am hoping we get to try, they do a Barbera from the only bar- known Barbera vineyard over in Napa. Um, and stay tuned. That'll be on next Friday. Tress Getting from yeah, the Ollie. Teaser. We'll teaser. talk about a um, black chicken wine. That was the when they still had party lines, <laughs> and he wanted to know if they wanted wine. Do you want a black chicken? Sure. And they deliver the wine. I like it. It's early smuggling, man. It's perfect in the forties. Whenever you say, <laughs> whenever I see that, I I think of that movie Once Bitten with George Hamilton. Remember where he was a, 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 vampire? a vampire, and he 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 was a bat, and he flew into an apartment in New York City, and the people that were living there, they said, "Holy shit, it's a black chicken! Get it, get it!" And they all were trying to kill him with brooms and chased him out the out the window. I'll have to see that, man. (laughs) Missing that reference. Sorry, guys. (laughs) Sam, this... Go ahead. I was just going to say, so, you know, going back to the the immense amount of grapes, um, for you folks out there that are consumers, you'll be happy to know that because uh, there'll probably be some deals to be um, gotten out there. I imagine, yeah. uh, if if you were a small winery and um, were uh, cash positive this year, you probably could have picked up on some deals on some grapes here and there. Um, but at the facility where I'm making my wine this year, um, their all their neighbors were full. Um, they were primarily like sh- doing Chardonnay and Pinot that I'm thinking of. And, um, and then some of those people's clients were picking up wine, so they filled up immediately. And so it was some extra business for the place I was at because they did have room. So mm-hmm. it, it's all very interesting to see how it works. It was definitely out in the, the, the quote-unquote wine ghetto uh, out on A Street in the industrial park. There was a lot of uh, horse trading going on for barrels and tanks and just equipment as, you know, uh, because it was a bumper crop across multiple varietals, you know, there was a wave, those early waves of Pinot Noir and Chardonnay, you know, people were borrowing equipment then, and then it came back, you know, later on, people who were making more Cabernet, and like, you guys got an extra thousand gallon tank we could borrow? Well, somebody said to me, um, there, there was a comment that, you know, uh, an extra acre, an extra ton per acre on five acres is you know, five tons. And that's quite a bit. I mean, that's a big tank. Um, and yeah. you know, what do you think it was a, a ton an acre? Uh, I, I think in some places. Yeah. yeah. So, but, you varieties? know, you're talking about a ton an acre. Uh, if you're averaging three tons an acre anyway, you go up to four on a five acre vineyard, all of a sudden, you know, right. you're it's like significant, significant increases in, in volume and, and, you know, wineries, uh, you know, you're limited in the amount of tank space that you have. The you know, your ideal fermentation. Is, She's back. She made it back. She's back. 
your ideal fermentation is in one size, but you know the grapes come in with four extra tons, and um, you start improvising. That's what you well, don't do. you think that what that means is that a lot of good juice is going to go out in the bulk market, um, as opposed to people just trying to scramble to find more the, places to store the wine? They're just yeah. going to a lot of it. I'm sure is going to end up on it, the bulk all, market. It's already where, it's already there. Yeah. Um, but you know, on the, on the flip side. But the other thing is, there's a whole bunch of wine out on the bulk market. Sorry to interrupt. From last year, from the fires, and right. um, you know whether it's been treated or not. So the bulk market itself is just going to get flooded. Wow. Um, so we'll see what happens. Well, and, speaking about yeah. wines that will never end up on the bulk market, <laughs> we've got Isabel. Thank you for bringing the uh, Grenache earlier. Yeah. Get her in that mic. There you go. <laughs> Hi. So what, thanks for tasting it. Yeah, you probably introduce her a little more than just Isabel. Uh, well, Isabel Gassier, <laughs> if, if any of you have listened to the podcast, one of my favorites was at, at uh, Bart and I's uh, hotel room down in Paso Robles, where we did a fun <laughs> podcast down there. Yeah. And um, Isabel's entire family, I think there was like 300, 400 of her family members down there with us. <laughs> um, but it sounds like her and uh, Philippe and Phil are um, making some some really good Grenache. Sam was talking about the rosé as well. Are you taking a little part in the rosé or just the reds? No, yeah, the the rosé was the first project. It's um, currently finished, uh, partially aging in barrels, and now we're working on two Grenaches as um, red wine. So there's Oakville and Rossi. Oakville came in on October 20th, and Rossi came in last Thursday. So one's dry and the other one barely started fermentation yesterday. And how are you feeling about now? Coming, coming to a close here? Coming to an end as far as I'm physical happy. labor? Yeah. I'm slightly tired. Yeah, how many hours of sleep have you gotten in the last <laughs> week, Isabel? No, I have been um, sleeping, but... Just weird times. Weird, yeah. 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 Well, I mean, it's I'm this... going to sleep for nine days because yeah. I'm also going <laughs> to get sick. I know it. So, you know, Isabel, let's... Go back this. What was your last full day off? I can't remember. Right. And and so, so, go, working hard, so you yeah. folks out there, I mean, that's I one of the remember. things. Yeah. That's one of the things that happens here in, yeah. in production, whether it's in the vineyards and the winery, is that at this time of year, you just go and go and go. And if you work for a larger winery, they might mandatorily give you a day off here right. and there. Um, but at smaller family-run businesses, mm-hmm. um, you just work your ass off until <laughs> harvest is over. And then hopefully, once all the winterization is done, then you can take some time off, Exactly. Right? Well, that's why. It hasn't been that I've been working insane hours. I know people that have been working a lot more and a lot longer. It's just, yeah, having... I've nev- I haven't disconnected yet. <laughs> that's all. Isabel, where are you from originally? I'm from Nîmes. A small town in yes. Southern Rhone Valley. Yes. Um, technically in the region region of Languedoc-Roussillon, but not the Appalachian, not the AVA. Really? So we're weirdos. Yeah, we're in the region of the Languedoc-Roussillon, but because the Rhone um, dumps itself in the Mediterranean right where we are, we're Rhone Valley. Because um, the soils, for the most part, 90% of our soils are very consistent with those of the Rhone Valley. And then, actually, there's a small part of the Appalachian that has soils that are more Languedoc because they're from alluvial, um, they're alluvial soils from the Durance and not the Rhone. But that's like a very small part. Were you from a wine family? 
Yes, my parents are <laughs> farmers and winemakers. Her dad is a killer winemaker and he makes <laughs> some of my favorite wines from Costa de Nîmes, which is That's one of my favorite places to get wines because I think you get super high quality at a really good price They're and crazy value I, hopefully wines. for your father that will change but I know no um, that's not the goal we okay. don't want to I think we um we believe in pleasure being accessible to all yeah. and um wine is for the people there's yeah. we never want to become unaffordable go vote go vote today vote for <laughs> wine and pleasure for the people <laughs> vote for an affordable life <laughs> yeah. an affordable life yes, yes i'd like to be able to pay rent you know save some money one day maybe own a house but just i'm a, a millennial little, so that would never happen just a little bit different price wise here in the rhone region for buying a small home i mean i was looking at places outside of avignon yeah it's out in the commercial area, okay? But I don't mind being near a Leclerc store. I really don't. Oh, and, and they're beautiful. And you can go, go, it's 200,000 euros. Oh, you can get a beautiful place. You can get a beautiful old apartment in Nîmes, like a three bedroom um, old apartment, so very poorly insulated. But um, high ceilings. But so you have, but you have some for $80,000, uh-huh. like 65,000 euros. And in Costière de Nîmes, an acre of planted vineyards is $7,200 if you do the really? conversion. It is ridiculous. How much is it here, Sam? Uh, Figure what are 100000 Planted, planted, <laughs> ca- no, planted Cabernet on the Napa Valley floor is a million dollars an acre. Jesus Christ. Unbelievable. Which is basically burgundy prices. Yeah. Yeah. There's a there's a winery current currently for sale in Petaluma, um, twenty five hundred case with the tasting room, um, right on Highway One, five acres planted, yeah, one hundred one, um, one point nine million. What is it? Uh, Castagna. Oh sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I've always wondered about those grapes because it's right off the right the freeway. If you get a little. Um, a little Riesling uh, uh, petrol uh, smell going <laughs> a little on in your, TDN wine. in your wine. I mean, they're just like constantly, it's eight lanes of traffic driving by there. It seems weird. Have you talked to your dad at all? How's his harvest going in uh, France? Um, I call my dad for moral support every other day. <laughs> I've been... Support for him or support for you? Um. Well, for me. <laughs> um, he got into a bike accident a week before oh, no. harvest. And oh. has been in a wheelchair, so it, it was Holy a very crap. Um, challenging harvest for him. But um, because he's stubborn and um, one of the most passionate people I know, he still took the graveyard shift, was um, sleeping at the winery, and um, drove my mom a little crazy because she wanted him to rest, but uh, he still managed to work a full harvest. He's really happy wow. with the quality this year. Um, apparently, the Grenaches are insane. And then I call him a lot for, you know, a lot of practical questions around the winery because this sure. is my first time having, um, quote unquote, free reigns on on making wine. Mm. And, uh, and so it's been really helpful to call him up. Isabel, how many tons... Do you have an idea how many tons your family's winery will do? No. Sorry, I know there's a translation. <laughs> yeah, because like one metric ton is um, 0.907 U.S. tons. But then I, we don't even talk in tons. Yeah, we no, talk in talk bottles. And we yeah. produce quite a bit. Yeah. So, okay. we yeah, we have about 350 acres that okay. we make wine out of. That, that gives so, me a good idea. 
acres, not yeah, hectares. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Sam, we were just talking about Burgundian wine. Yeah. And you sent out a post from Eric Asimov talking about the climate change in Burgundy and why it's so apparent there. And when we started talking about it, you said it's not in the future. It's there right now. Yeah, well, that was... And uh, Isabel just piped up, yeah, so we want to talk about uh, that. It's uh, Tim, Tim Aitken, Atkin, who's yeah, a MW, um, who's, who wrote the article. Tim Atkin, um, MW. And, you know, and I, I put this out on Twitter pretty often, but, um, you know, if, if there's anybody who, out, who doubts the reality of climate change, you know, the first person to ask is a farmer. And I don't think it matters the politics of that farmer. If you're farming and you're dealing with the climate on a daily basis, you've seen pattern changes, not just weather changes, but pattern changes over the last 10, 15, 20 years. Uh, and so this was, article was saying that, you know, in 50 years, it might be probably will be too hot for Pinot Noir in in Burgundy, which, um, you know, is sounds tragic, although really at the end of the day, like not being able to grow Pinot Noir in Burgundy is one of the least important, you know, effects of climate change. We can talk about, you know, famine and drought and flooding hey, and sorry. But one, the French yeah. so no, okay. So <laughs> we're talking 110,000 jobs. I know, but we're talking about Japan, yeah. Florida. Wait, um, no, it's like a hundred. It's way more than that. It's a huge, huge amount. Well, of people the, the, that are affected. Yes. Corks, bottling, filtering. Like it's just a huge part of yeah. our economy. They, they can right. grow granache. They can grow granache in Burgundy, though. They don't have to grow peanut. The That's point true. being, um, a well, they they'll just may need to change their traditions a little yeah. bit. Uh, which they don't do that well, well in Burgundy. Uh, really they good. really like to change <laughs> yeah. change traditions, right? Um, <laughs> but, and I think t this is, I think maybe a point that Isabel is working towards, but she hasn't gotten there because she's angry at me at the moment. Um, <laughs> is wine is sexy? People, wine is is eye catching. When wine changes, uh, people notice, and it can be a driver of of things, uh, you know, organic and biodynamic is way more popular and known in the world because of wine. You know, if it was just organic vegetables. It would have never had quite the cachet. Um, so it is an important aspect of things. Um, but the part of the article that was left out was it's not what's happening in 50 years from now. It's, it's now, you know, right. between frost and hail and inclement weather and weather pattern changes. Right. We have been seeing a lot of no. We've been seeing a lot of erratic, erratic um, climate patterns, and I agree with you with the fact that um, maybe a good way of addressing. I think the problem with climate change is it's way too broad, and so people don't really feel specifically concerned because it's just such a massive subject that it's. It's hard to be like, oh, I can do something about this. And um, I think if we start, you know, telling people what climate change might do to the things they love the most, <laughs> maybe we'll right. start getting them involved. And for some people that might be, you know, wine. For others, it might be traveling and tourism and losing some of the destinations they've always wanted to go to. I mean, there's... So I think it is important to address, you know, what climate change is doing to wine. As much as I agree with you, 
Right. Wine is not everything. <laughs> but <laughs> actually, here, wine is... It's the only is, thing. Wine is not everything. It's the only that's thing. That's right. And, you know, all of France is like one huge Sonoma, Napa Valley, you know, running Paso and some of the other areas. But wine is French, and France is all about wine. And yeah, so it's it very is. important. And what is it like, gonna, what's it going to be like down in Bordeaux in the south? Then? Well, that's what I'm thinking is that classic styles might change. Think about champagne. I mean, if it's too warm um, in champagne or if you're talking about, you're talking about, uh, I mean, what is Australia all of a sudden starts to get a little cooler than, uh, I mean, you're thinking about crazy style changes in wines based on Climate and differences. We don't have the same flex. Yeah, but we don't have it, the same it, flexibility as you guys have, right? Because we have AVAs that have been, you know. But that's that self-imposed, though. I agree, but the problem is we do have legislation around it, and as you may know, legislation in France takes time to change. Yeah. And um, so I think it's going to take quite a bit of time for people to accept that we're going to have to grow different varietals, and it's really hard to look at Burgundy and be like, you know. All of Burgundy wines for the longest we've known has been mostly Chardonnay and Pinot. Um, Except for the years when they were Right. But if I'm... I mean, we're going to have to be... French people are going to have to be open-minded and open to change, which is um, not necessarily to... They're strong. No, it doesn't seem like it, but you're the positive influence, you know, because you're bringing it from here, so... I think younger people like yourselves actually will will help in that because yeah. you've already started planting sort of different varietals in different areas, and yeah, you're not going to be able to put it out as a, AVA, as an AVA cares? wine, but but yeah. yeah, you think that it. it I will, mean, we're uh, looking into Portuguese varietals and yeah. looking into because um, if we are planning, you know, right now the objective is you know to keep it for another fifty years at least, and therefore you have to think about how the climate is going to what direction the climate is going in in 50 years. And so you do have to be very mindful mm -hmm. of that when planting. And um, and so, yeah, there's there's places where we are, like, considering planting, like, Graciano or, or Turiga Nacional and these varietals that are grown in very hot, very dry places. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. You kind of see, you'll just see things move up. Is that what we would call <laughs> Iberian... Ex yeah, like, or I, like, I, or varietals I, from the Duro. In from Portugal. the Duro, yeah. Champagne yeah. from yeah. England. <laughs> Champagne in England, correct? Yeah, in South I mean England. seriously. Yeah. And Car I think Carneros Vino Verde. <laughs> <laughs> One of the. <laughs> it's a good thing this isn't a video. Uh, one of the things that Isabel said, I think, is one of the most important things to remember in this is that it, farming grapes isn't a year-to-year -year proposition. You know, you're not planting your vegetable garden and harvesting at the end of the year. It's it's a multi generational proposition. It's what we're planting now. You know, Isabel's grandchildren will harvest one day, yeah. um, and so you can't look. You know, and, and so when you talk about the the deeply rooted tradition of of French winemaking and French law because of it, um, you know, you're talking about it's not just. You can go out and grow a different variety of tomatoes. It's you know there's there's uh, it's a really it's a big ship to turn. Um, yeah. and it's not going to take it's not going to you know it's going to take fifty years to figure those things out. Like, you have to figure out what what to grow. You know. Well, if I had land in DRC, I'm I'm holding out to the last. I mean, you're going to have to drag me out of my house if I'm 
got beautiful grapes in Burgundy. You tell <laughs> me right. I'm to plant something that I'm going to get well, and a tenth of the the money for. I mean, yeah, you're going to have to drag me kicking and, and screaming. And there's also, you know, the the idea behind our our appellations and the concept of terroir is that it's very much adapted to the. You know, we've chosen these varietals because they were so well adapted to not only the climate but but the soil, and right. so and the soil is staying, you know, basically the same. Obviously, right. there's like evolution like erosion and organic organic matter and stuff but the basis of the soil is the same so you know it's kind of hard to be like well we have a thousand years of of experience and of basically data and and observation and we've chosen these varietals because they're the best so you know if we start considering planting new things we're starting all over again mother nature dictates yeah well i mean and it's exciting i mean it might be a good redistribution of that's for sure of resources and of opportunity yeah. for for different appellations. So, I mean, it, it's not necessarily only a bad thing. They called that's climate cool. change in this area their own phylloxera. So <laughs> right. that is right. that's how serious it yeah. really is. Yeah. So, but it's interesting. You know, you're talking about doing new things, etc. It's really interesting watching this cross pollination between France and Sonoma <laughs> with sixteen six hundred. And what you guys are doing. I mean, this is fascinating. Oh, uh, honestly? Fascinating. If you, the root of it, the credit goes to Sandra Bernstein and the girl in the fig. That, that's what brings the, the Rhone footing in Sonoma Valley. Um, you know, that, I mean, it's, it's why, it's why, it's, it's how we can do the things that we do in Sonoma because of the, the impact and the awareness that that restaurant created around these varieties. I think that's a really good thing, though. I mean, honestly, she she thought she just ran a restaurant. Believe me, I I dropped down there for um, brunch on Sunday morning. Bought a few bottles of wine. It was really nice. Bought a few bottles of wine. (laughs) Why not? I mean, it's so nice to have that. Somebody else, but I I I try and spread it out, man. I try and spread it out. Boy, do we brunch differently. Yeah, no I kidding. aspire to brunch as you I do. I know well, you deserve a brunch like that. I think coming up, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that lasts like a week and a half. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, Bart, Bart, what have you got going on in Tank right now? I'm I am no longer in Tank. So you're in Barrel. So everything? Shannon Blanc is still fermenting along very slowly. Mm-hmm. Um, this year, it um, spontaneously went through ML. Um, so we'll is that a, and is that good? Do you did you like that or no? Um, I think that still remains to be seen. Um, you know, the wine's still a little sweet, so we'll see how it plays with the, you know, how rich it is. I'm, I'm, um, channeling my, uh, Dave Ramey, uh, his talk about ML and, you know, um, mixing the leaves and stuff. Um, so it's not too pronounced. It doesn't appear. I don't really notice. It's not like a big fat buttery thing. It's just, it's done with ML. It's just a note. Um, Zinfandel is in barrels, um, dry, done with ML, looks really, really beautiful. Um, very excited about that. And the Grenache, um, we drained about a week ago. It was a week ago today um, into our 500 liter uh, barrel. And we have a couple of kegs for topping and it's really beautiful and I'm really excited about it. Are you I, gonna make I, another I Valeria? Hoping, I, was, I was hoping to, I, I, 
it was I, I wish I would have gotten more than just a ton but but you keep but, saying that but it but, but just because it's so good it's out there still we could go find it probably <laughs> but but um but, but but you know what but there's always next year so um, well or maybe there won't be next year that's the problem <laughs> um uh, so yeah it's uh, I'm really excited about the three wines that I made this year nice yeah yeah, I'm ex- I I have yet to see this Grenache. I've tried the Chenin Blanc, um, and I saw the Zin hanging, but I haven't uh, yeah. had a chance to taste well, it yet. We'll, so we'll go down and taste it. So I should time. stash some of my Valeria, or just keep buying more. Well, I, t- I mean, I just released the Valeria. Okay, good. Um, so and um, no yeah. trouble there, huh? Yeah, no, we still Excellent. have. Uh, I, I did. I 127 cases. So. so now you're just about. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I just no. I just got my bill. I just got my bill. So I, my storage bill, right? Like for instance, there's only 17 cases of Grenache left. So there you go. Hint, hint out there in yeah. podcast land. Order your Valeria now. So Dane Sellers. Yep. There you go. Good stuff, man. I'm so impressed by your laugh. You've got the sweetest <laughs> French laugh. It's great. <laughs> the laugh of having slept in right. two weeks laugh. Understand. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes it just doesn't stop. It's a little hysterical, probably. I feel like my eyes have disappeared and have been swallowed by my face. <laughs> I swear. All right. Well, hey, thanks, everybody. I mean, Brian, I'm starting to close the show now, so it automatically goes Brian to you. has 15 more minutes of things yeah, to there say. There you go. So... Um, this show's coming out on Friday. Yeah, this week. This week? Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, just shout out, as always, to our friends and um, partners in Sonoma. for uh, Todd Jolly, Sonoma's best. Todd Jolly, Sonoma's best. Barry, um, um, Thursday is the uh, uh, Historic Vineyard that's Society. That's right, two nights. Tasting, two, you'll, nights um, away, right? You'll, you'll have missed that. Right. We'll post lots of pictures from it. Right. No, that should be an incredible thing. Yeah, yes. that's an incredible thing. Fifty um, wines being served today. No, 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 no. No, I think it's no. a smaller one. It's There's only like Buckland. Um, oh, he said he's got 50, 50 tickets mm-hmm. sold already. Yeah, maybe. And he wants a hundred people. Yeah, yeah. that yeah. should be amazing. Um, I'm uh, Brian. I'm curious. You had talked in an earlier show how you thought that the um, the Sante was going more um, Asian. In right. menu style, right? But last week we were on. You were talking about it, and is it shifting again? What do you mean? Last week, what did I say? When, when well, you were just describing some of the food that you guys that they were fixing and stuff in Sante. Is it is the new menu going well? Is I guess what I'm getting at. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I I don't have having worked in restaurants for thirty something years. I don't have a lot of experience. Since you were with, two years old, yeah, pretty much. Um, <laughs> You know, dishwashers, they hire you right. early. Um, but the, I, don't, I didn't have a lot of experience with um, Japanese food. And, and our new chef, Marcellus, that came from, you know, a bunch of restaurants back east in places like Eleven Madison Park, where you're talking about super high end. Um, he, he's very familiar with um, Japanese ingredients and trained in Japan. And so that's kind of been the focus. We already switched all the appetizers over. And I think this week switching over all the entrees, we've already got, you know, we have the Kobe, the a five, uh, Kobe beef that comes from Japan and it has the stamp on it that has this, the snout of the actual cow. They like a thing, like a fingerprint. They take the snout so you can trace it back to that particular cow. Um, 
Yeah. Well, that's what they do in France. I mean, you know, you see if you go into a bar and you get steak frites, they have a picture of, you know, Pierre's cow down the way that they slaughtered. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, this is this is what you're eating. But, you know, so, I'm not I'm not a guy who's been a bigger fan of Jacques cow. But that's <laughs> <laughs> OK. We have a regular filet if you want to come in with a bone marrow crust on it. That's really good. But but I'm curious to see where it goes. And I, I started following a lot of um, food um, Instagram sites, a lot of the um best restaurants, the 50 best restaurants in the United States and started following them just to see what's going on for food trends. And it seems like it's a new thing to sort of be using these Asian ingredients and then combining them with local things, but then using French techniques. So it's a, it's a really cool style. I hope that you guys will get a chance to come in for dinner. Hopefully when Philippe um, comes, you guys can come in for dinner and, and try out some of the new menu (laughs) stuff. Yeah. So yeah. Philippe is in town in January for his birthday. For his birthday. Oh, nice. Philippe's birthday at Sante. And we're going to try and get Philippe on the podcast. It'll be uh, Philippe and Isabel because we'll all need interpretation. Um, <laughs> Each way, too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. For yeah, sure. that'd be a lot of fun. It'd be a lot of fun. And is your dad planning on coming out or no? Um, He usually does. Last time he came out was... He was only here for a day and I put him to work. Um, he did petiole samples with me. Um, I don't know yet because it's going to depend on. Um, Is he still in a wheelchair? Yeah. Okay. So yeah. it's going to depend on him. That's not a lot of fun better. to travel. Well, just not, he's losing his goddamn mind, I think. Because he's a such. Bicy- he's a na- Yeah. And he's an athlete. He's, did he, he get hit he, by a car? <coughs> Sorry. Um, no, but a car, a car was coming really fast on a bridge and. Um, yeah. Oh, so. Wow. Not good. Till you break. Some it. of those yeah. bridges are a little tiny over there too. Oh, they sure are. They sure are. So, <laughs> but you know, he's badass, so <laughs> he's doing fine. I just I like think that. he's ready to get back on his, back Bad-a- on his bike. Badass dad. No, he badass really is. Dad. I'm proud. I imagine uh, f- after a harvest of wheelchair, he's just going to have like forearms and biceps <laughs> of an NFL player. <laughs> no, but I think he's getting better. So, Well, good. I hope he listens to the show. We're, we'll say hi and, and uh, <laughs> bonsoir to him. And can we get a quick shout out also to the Roan Room? I know they're doing, I think on Saturdays and Sundays now, they've got the food truck there from like 10 to 1 doing brunch items. Chicken and so waffles. Go hang Wait, out. What? Chicken, yeah. and waffles. Chicken, Chicken and waffles. What? So on weekends? Yeah. Ham, ham hash know. burrito. You know what weekends are, Isabel? No, what day is it? <laughs> that would be Saturday. I mean it, start, what day If it starts with an S. <laughs> Today's Tuesday, so, good and that's know. Saturday and Sunday. Um, yeah, the chicken and waffles is very good. The, um, ham hash burrito is very good. Loved it. Um, Loved it. And, uh, and the everything latke. 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 And a uh, yeah. bottomless uh, glass of champagne and orange juice. Mimosa. We need to do some latkes and kosher rosé. Hmm? I was, I was just I thinking that. Think kosher rosé is going to be such a sweet placement. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well... Isabel, thank you for joining thank us. Thank you for morning. having me. Oh, our pleasure, man. I really appreciate it. We're going to head over to uh, the beautiful Napa Valley if they uh, let us mm, over the border mm, and mm, um, and record mm, our next episode. Do you have your papers mm, all uh, in order? I'm crossing the border. You'd have to smuggle me, so I'm not. Gonna, I'm not. I'm not coming in. <laughs> I don't think that's the only thing we're going to smuggle today. So and, and nap exit, Brex, Sonoma exit. Right. I don't know. And Sam's on his way to New York City. We. Oui. <laughs> 
Chicago, New York, Detroit, and it's all on the same street. You're right. It is. So, hey, best of luck, man. Break a leg on that. And uh, Bart, thanks so much. And hey, everybody, thanks for listening. Brian, love it. Hey, thanks the, for the, thanks for nice the morning, to have us uh, all back together. And morning, Isabel, thanks again too. for uh, bringing the Grenache in for us to try. And I hope we get to you know try that periodically and see where it's going. I hope you guys do too. It's yeah. nice to have opinions. Yeah. yeah, totally. It's perfect. Well, hey, to a great harvest this year. So thanks everybody for listening. I'm John Myers. You're listening to The Winemakers. We'll talk to you next week. See Cheers. you. Bye.